Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Greetings here on Deep Background for May 24th, 2017. Dave Helling of the editorial board of the Kansas City Star and my friend Mark Davis of the business page of the Star joining us for today's podcast where we want to talk about Sprint, a little bit about Sprint. With all the other things we've been paying attention to, it seems like Sprint is sort of bubbling under the immediate radar, but certainly things are happening we need to pay attention to, Mark. Let me start out by asking you, There were, 20 years ago, there was a time when Sprint was considered probably the biggest business story in Kansas City and certainly one of the biggest corporate presences. We have a Sprint Center for a reason, big employer. Are Is the company today what it once was in the in the sort of landscape of of Kansas City business in your view in some ways yes in other ways no i mean it's still the largest company here in terms of how much business it does you know cerner's hiring everybody on the planet um, but sprint does more business than cerner um, and it's the kind of business that brings money into Kansas City so it's very important business. How, it's, how it's, many people are still employed here locally? Do you I, know off the top of your head? The, the local campus headquarters is about 6,000. And that's that's pale compared to what it once was. It was over 20,000, 22, 23,000, um, sometime in the 90s, uh, heading into 2000. Um, the telecommunications industry had a very bad turn at that point. Sprint never really recovered from that. And part of that was its Nextel deal in 2005 that just right. really handcuffed that company for a very long time. They're out from under that. They're rebuilding some steam here. Uh, but clearly, they're not the company that they once were in Kansas City. They were, uh, I would say, say, an unrivaled corporate giant at one point. They're now one of our corporate giants. Right. Bill Very S important. Bill Esri, who was uh, a Sprint CEO, uh, a huge presence sort of on the public scene, if you will, uh, but 20 years ago, that's not the case anymore. Well, it's it's a different company in the sense that their business is very different. It's all wireless now. They have some wireline, but it's mostly wireless now. And the, the CEO's job is very different. He's trying to turn this company around, not build this company. And those are very different jobs. Okay. So where does Sprint today fit into the universe of wireless providers? It's, I guess, in fourth place in terms of subscribers. Is that correct? I mean, it, it, it's certainly not... It, you know, considered a, a leader in, in the field in terms of its subscribers or its revenue, that type of thing. You know, that's, that's uh, you know, you could say that. Um, but there are four you national carriers. You don't have carriers. to say that. <laughs> there are four national carriers, and they are definitely one of those four national carriers. Right. I mean, they are a competitor. They are winning customers again. Not in the numbers that T-Mobile is winning customers. That's really the landscape that's changed. If you rolled the calendar back to 20. 
11. T-Mobile was in fourth place. Sprint was in third place. AT&T got a deal with T-Mobile. We're going to buy you guys for $39 billion. And the government said, no, no, no. we want four national carriers. Sprint got acquired by the company Japan, SoftBank Group Corp. Its CEO and founder, Masayoshi's son, immediately wanted to buy T-Mobile next. He went to Washington, kind of, you know, checking things out. And Washington once again said, unofficially, no. And in fact, Sprint never asked to buy T-Mobile because it had asked and was told no, game over, that you can't come back and ask again for like a decade or something right, like right, that. Right. So, so they never really officially asked, well, since then we've had a new presidential election, we've had a, a turnover in the Congress, the Republicans are in charge. The expectation now is that Washington could be, not will be, but could be friendlier to a Sprint T-Mobile hookup. And those two companies are very definitely eager to do that, and money is the big reason. Let's go back a little bit. Yeah. Explain to us why uh, Sprint never seemed to be able to crack into the top two of providers. I mean, it always seems like, was it technology? Was it bad business strategy? It always seems like as if yeah. Sprint is in third or fourth place talking about mergers. It never seems as if you talk about them in the same voice as you do other of the other carriers. You know, part of that Why is... Why is that? Do you have any sense of that well, at all? A um, couple of reasons. I mean, part of that is Head Start. You know, they, they kind of had to go from scratch as opposed to AT&T, which was, you know, already established, right. as had customer base to, to you're an AT&T customer, they're selling wireless, you know, that's a, that's a foot in the door. Uh, Verizon even had that because they, they have part of the old Ma Bell stuff, too. Right. So that's why those two giants are the giants. Now, Sprint was very competitive in sort of gathering customers early on in the wireless world. Um, and you're predating me as a reporter on this beat, but the <laughs> well, next tell. Not on tell, this beat, but yes. Well, the next, well, the topic right, is right, right. the next tell deal really put handcuffs on Sprint, and and it's and it's a very important issue because it could happen again with T-Mobile, if there wasn't that Sprint experience with Nextel. And what happened was, Nextel had this really funky walkie-talkie function. Right. And if you had My boss, by the, the way, field, back in the day was obsessed with that idea that he could talk to me on walkie-talkie in Maryland or something. Absolutely. Some silly stuff. <laughs> and, and what Sprint couldn't do was get that technology onto its network. So it had to keep that Nextel network running, upgrading it. That cost billions of dollars that other carriers didn't have to spend on two networks. Yeah. If we put Sprint and T-Mobile together, that's two networks. They can't keep them both. Yeah. Let, let's go back then to what the sort of current environment is. Uh, because I think there will be books written about what was or wasn't done back 20 years ago. Sprint, in my experience, has always struggled in a way, even back in its long-distance days, mm -hmm. when it had to compete with other long-distance carriers. And, and uh, it, it, you know, when it, back in United Telecom days, it was challenged in some ways. But, but now we're con uh, presented, aren't we, Mark, with a, with a, you know, the real possibility that if it doesn't acquire... T-Mobile, T-Mobile might acquire Sprint. I mean, that, that's, so what, what's the current environment? What, what do we think from, from SoftBank? What, uh, you know, at, at times you think maybe they want to sell their stake and get out of this business. At other times, no, it seems like they're, they want to really make this work. Tell us what your sense is of what the last 12 months have, uh, have meant for, for the company. Officially, the last 12 months have been this quiet period where they weren't allowed right. to talk to each other. Uh, doesn't mean others couldn't talk to each other about them, and I'm sure that they were. The investment bankers were waiting at the wings when that whole quiet period ended, and it did. Um, both the companies have come out publicly and said, 
we would love to do a deal with the other. They've said that. And, of course, they're talking about a deal. Um, the question is, is that it's not as simple as uh, who buys who. Um, and, and there's really complicated issues here. But Sprint stock in the market today, this may count, sound counterintuitive, but it trades at a much higher premium than T-Mobile stock. So I've, I've read an analyst report that said T-Mobile couldn't actually buy Sprint. It's too expensive. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. That's how Wall Street works. <laughs> um, and, and in the long run, it doesn't matter that much who buys who here because you want to go forward with the best combination. And in the marketplace today, T-Mobile's winning the customers. Sprint is not. In the marketplace today, T-Mobile brand is the brand. Is it marketing that gives them the edge, or do they have a technological edge, T-Mobile? There are all kinds of tests of network systems. Some say A over B. Some say B over A. They're all fairly competitive at this point. I mean, that's kind of Sprint's marketing message, right. too. But there are studies that still show Sprint lags, studies that show T-Mobile's accelerating a lot. One of the things that both companies have now is a lot of wireless spectrum. And this is very expensive stuff. It's the airwaves that the phone call travels over, the way your right. TV signal comes into your house without a wire. Your phone works the same way. And um, the, the difficulty for each is now putting that into use. T-Mobile just bought its, and it's going to be years before they can put it to use. Sprint's had its spectrum for a very long time, and it's had trouble getting it into use. Neither one's really, you know, bumped up against capacity, so that's not really a problem. But that's where they say they have this, this sort of lever to kind of work against the two big ones. But they can't, they say, do it alone. They need to get together to do right. it. Right. And, and Spectrum is an important asset for a mobile company to have, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and it takes an enormous investment because the federal government, in essence, auctions, auctions uh, uh, the Spectrum off. And yeah, so it is- Yeah, paid $8 billion for the Spectrum it just acquired. So, so that's a, an enormous asset for that company that Sprint would have to, one would think, swallow, or SoftBank would have to swallow if they marry the two companies, well, right? Sprint, I mean, the premium for whatever they pay for T-Mobile. Well, Sprint has plenty of spectrum itself. Right. And then the important point for these two companies to consider is these are very different spectrums. The Sprint stuff is good, would be very good for what is the, the next wave, this 5G stuff, the Internet of Things kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. What T-Mobile just bought is old TV stuff, which is very good for cell phones penetrating walls, getting deep into buildings, and traveling a long way between towers. So there might be some synergy in terms of the spectrum the two companies own. Except or, or technological problems in marrying the two. Both. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Both. There are technology issues here. And what, what I've read in reports is that they would not run two networks. They would shut one down and farm its spectrum out to the other network. You just would not run two networks. Yeah. And and that would be costly and take time to do, and you would lose customers along the way. But the, the reason Sprint and T-Mobile mostly want to get together is to save a lot of money. Estimates of $30 billion that they could save. How? Could also give, How? Is it just duplicate service? You don't run two networks anymore. You just run one. Uh, you don't have two HR departments. You have one. It's bigger than either's now, but it's not as big as the right. two. The other thing, though, is that you would lessen competition, right? That's why the antitrust concerns, because... Sprint, for all its troubles, has been relatively innovative, just again as a layman watching, in terms of pricing unlimited 
uh, mobile use of the internet. I mean, that's, and that has put competitive pressure on the other carriers to sort of match them, which is the whole idea of competition. You would save money by not having that, would you not? Well, Dave, you're looking at this like a consumer. Um, (laughs) That's a bad thing to do, I guess. (laughs) Cell phone prices are coming way down. The Wall Street Journal had a story this week that's chart showing inflation rates on wireless service, and it's, it's, it's falling fast. And that's them competing for customers. There's other kinds of competition. T-Mobile was first getting rid of contracts and things like that. Um, the way Wall Street looks at that question is a different term, and it's called market repair. <laughs> they want to stop that because it's money out of their pocket. And so one of the benefits of a Sprint T-Mobile merger from Wall Street and the company's perspective is we can repair this market so price is not where we compete. We still compete but not on price because we need that money to build our networks to make our profit. Right, and of course that's where the antitrust people start to get nervous, although as you point out, under the Trump administration, the calculus might be different. I also get get the sense, Mark, that the decision going forward on some union between T-Mobile and Sprint is not really in local hands. Uh, Maurice Claret is doing, you know, yeoman's work, but it's really SoftBank that will decide this. Right, it's it's not in even U.S. hands. Um, Marcelo Claret's job is to turn this company around. The ownership question rests in Tokyo with uh, Masayoshi's son, who is the CEO and founder of SoftBank Group, that owns like eighty percent of Sprint. Uh, T-Mobile, on the other hand, is owned sixty-seven percent by Deutsche Telekom, a German company, right. and it's the 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 kingmaker on that side of the equation. So this is not a U.S. decision by any stretch. It's the U.S. market. There will be U.S. regulatory inquiries because of that foreign ownership that they would have to pass, as well as the antitrust and the FCC stuff. Right. So. And so finally, that leaves Sprint employees in some weird l- limbo. Right? Is that fair to say? I mean. Not only do they have a sort of a vested interest in whatever is decided, but it's really very, the decision is very removed from where they are. If you're a long-term, uh, long-time Sprint employee, you're used to it. They, <laughs> yes, they, you are. <laughs> they tried to go after T-Mobile in, in 2014. And well, they've been the trying to get Deutsche Telekom forever. I mean, that, or at least that suggestion has been out there for 30 years one way or another. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of that issue of that industry. Sprint got where it was in part through acquisitions, the Nextel deal. We even, well, not we, Sprint moved its headquarters to Reston, Virginia. Right. And when Dan Hesse came in, he moved it back to Overland Park. So it's, it's, it's nothing we haven't seen before. Um, but is there a in chance in the next year that Sprint as a brand will disappear? And that's that a great Sprint question. As, a, as, as, a, as an entity will no longer be around. That's a great question because the, um, the, the market is, is attacked very many ways. Uh, Sprint has more than one brand, Boost Mobile, uh, right. Virgin Mobile. Uh, you know, a brand wouldn't necessarily have to disappear. It would become a different brand. It wouldn't be the lead brand. Presumably T-Mobile would because that's the one winning in the marketplace today. Um, and, and that's, you know, who knows? That's, that's a question they will decide at that right. point, whether it's justified support with marketing and everything to, to keep that brand because it brings in customers we wouldn't get otherwise. Right, but it, doesn't it seem likely, whether Sprint survives or doesn't survive, that there will be some resolution of this continuing chat over the next year, year and a half? I mean, or do we, is, is this just an interminable discussion that never really goes anywhere? No, I think this one comes to a conclusion. They didn't go to the regulators in 2014 because they knew the answer was going to be no. They waited for the election to happen. It went their way, so to speak. 
And, and by the way, we should say that Donald Trump has a personal relationship with, and you know, you can say it better than I do, Mati... Masayoshi's son Ma, yes, was one they, of the they entourage. Know each other, right. He was one of the entourage hanging around Trump Tower between the election and inauguration. Right. And they had this public moment where he promised, son, promised Trump bringing 50,000 jobs and to America. And billions of dollars of investment. Yes, and, and that's not through Sprint, but they did say 5,000 of those jobs are Sprint jobs. And then you go off and sell the company well, and, and you but merge the other, and slash jobs. That becomes a political problem. Right, and the deal. other right, and the other thing that I took from that visit was that certainly going forward uh, for Sprint and SoftBank, they will at least have some sympathetic ears in Washington. One would assume. I mean, it it, it isn't as if they're going in there completely unknown to the people who pull the trigger. You know, it's it's a double-edged sword because. Donald Trump publicly, at least, is all about jobs, and that was the pitch when Son went to Trump Tower. If we do this deal, there will be lots of layoffs. Uh, Here? Well, we don't know exactly where. Right. I mean, it's it's a question of putting together two companies that have lots of duplication, and again, it's the, the deal isn't so much who buys who, but what makes most sense to put these two together. There will be job losses here. There will be job losses elsewhere. We, we can't tell the magnitude of that, but there will be job losses, and, and that's going to be a hard sell for Trump, particularly given that these decisions are being made by essentially foreign-owned companies. Right, and, and, and because Democrats could make an argument that letting these two companies combine will raise your cell phone bill. I mean, that's the other thing that's Market repair. Market, market repair, repair Dave. Yeah. Get it right. It's yeah. Wall Street's <laughs> version of, of what you enjoy. It's called market yeah, repair. Well, We're going to stop that. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> Let me ask you one final question. What about the Sprint campus? Uh, you know, it's uh, undergone drastic changes from when it was built, and they, a lot of it is, is leased out. But... Would a major change in the company, in your view, create sort of a weird real estate hole in Kansas City where you have all this space? Or is that something we should even think about or worry about? Obviously, we're concerned on the jobs, but but the Sprint Campus seemed at one time in Kansas City to like this huge thing, and it seems less of that now. Well, Sprint has been a real estate uh, monster. When they were building out, it was, you know, soaking up everything in the marketplace. Then they announced the campus, and suddenly all that stuff that they were going to vacate became right. a Available. problem for the marketplace. It's kind of swung back that way, that Sprint has put some of that campus on the market. They've leased some of it out. They're selling some of it. And to the degree that this deal happens and costs Sprint a headquarters or costs Kansas City or Overland Park a headquarters, that would put more of that real estate in the marketplace. Right, and it, it, and, it, it, and it would be a psychological blow, wouldn't it, if, in essence, the Sprint headquarters and Sprint business goes away. Kansas City, among I was at <laughs> last night on the public hearing on the airport uh, proposal, and there was a lot of discussion about the lack of a huge corporate presence in Kansas City being a problem. Uh, you know, we don't have, you either have to have a huge, pop, somebody said, you do have a, 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 you know, a lot of flights out of an airport, you either have to have a lot of people or a lot of big corporations who, who operate out of your city. And Kansas City lacks that Fortune 500 presence, does it not? And losing Sprint would be a blow in that way. It, it does in the sense that um, we, we've always kind of been there. You know, if you no, look to St. Louis, question. You look to St. Louis, it's it's littered with Fortune 500 Cincinnati, companies. Cincinnati, Minneapolis. Exactly. And Kansas City's been known as a branch office town. That has been a strength, believe it or not, economically. Well, that's interesting. Because— You're um, not subject to the ups and downs exactly. of, of any and particular in fact, market. Exactly. And in fact, 
since the buildup of Sprint into that head and shoulders corporate giant, we have not been quite so insulated from the ups and downs of the economy. Mm -hmm. um, we're getting back to that, I think, because Sprint isn't the tail wagging the dog so much as it was at one time. So there's there's benefits and 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 uh, you know difficulties with with any circumstance, and maybe one of the difficulties is that your airport isn't going to to be right. what maybe it could be in a more corporate. Uh, centered town because, you know, one of the things we've learned in this uh, airport story is that Burns and Mack has 33,000 employee right. trips out of out of KCI every year. And, and that's Burns and Mack. I mean, this is a company with 5,700 employees. Sprint's got 6,000. You know, they don't do quite the same thing Burns and Mack does, but that's a lot of trips at the airport and airlines, you know, need to serve that business and, and, and have, you know, a, a great interest in seeing right. that continue. So the degree that that declines even further with a deal... You're right. It has an impact on the airport. It has an impact on the economics of, of the whole community. And, and some psychological impact, too, because I think people do have some sense of ownership in Sprint, as it as they do maybe with H&R Block and some other entities that seem to be sort of Kansas City-centric. It does. It does. All right. Mark Davis with the business page at the Kansas City Star. Welcome to your first Deep Background podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, again, uh, we uh, invite your comments, criticisms, questions, and tell your neighbors to subscribe to this, uh, this podcast either on your favorite Android device or through iTunes. And frankly, Mark Davis knows more about what I just said than I do, so that's good to know, too. Mark, thanks for joining us. Once again, I'm Dave Helling with the Kansas City Star's editorial board. You've been on Deep Background. 